Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Bleed Hockey Podcast, episode 13. Um, I initially was going to do um, just one huge podcast about just news uh, throughout the past week because we didn't have a pod for about a couple days, like maybe like four or so days. Um, but then... The news kind of got out of hand. I mean, I could cut some out, but I'm not going to. And instead, we're going to do part one, which we're going to do the news and then go over all of the skills competition, uh, all the competitions and uh, who won them uh, in this episode. And then tomorrow's episode, we're going to do if there's any news, we'll attack that in there. But if not, we're just going to just dive in straight into the all-star games. Uh, that are set to go tomorrow because it'll be three of those. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, diving into this episode here, uh, and also this is the second episode where we have the interim uh, co-host Nolan here. So uh, say hello to all the folks. Hello, folks. I am back again and feeling stronger than ever. All right. I don't know if, uh, what strength means uh, for this, but all right, cool. I mean, you know. You do what you do. Um, <clears throat> first off, um, Brad Marchand has uh, apparently officially gone two years without getting suspended and therefore is no longer considered a repeat offender under the terms of the CBA, um, which means if he was to be suspended for something that he did previously, uh, he can't get uh, under the CBA rules uh, any extra games tacked on or stuff like that because uh, of a repeat offender because he is no longer a uh, offender. So um, congrats to Marchand, I guess, question mark. Um, yeah. Uh, and then something kind of interesting to me because we're all, because we're all kind of, uh, you know, engulfed in this whole goal race between Ovi and Gretzky with 894 uh, total goals in the NHL, right? Um, apparently in the KHL, uh, the highest um, a player has ever gone uh, with regular season plus playoff goals is 400. As uh, Sergei uh, Mazakin Maz- Maz- uh, is the first player in KHL history the score 400 career uh, regular season playoff goals. So, uh, hey, congratulations to him uh, making some history. Um, and also t- talking about history, uh, the can the Canada Post uh, unveiled the new stamp featuring the 1904 Halifax Eurekas, uh, the winners of the co- the colored hockey championship, uh, and the, the league operated in the Maritimes from 1895 into the 1930s. Uh, as uh, an attempt for the Cornwallis Street Baptist Church to recruit young black women, uh, black men, <laughs> black men, young black men, <laughs> young black men into the religion. I apologize. <laughs> wow. Goodness gracious. I apologize. But yeah, uh, they used it to recruit uh, black men into the religion, which is kind of weird, but also is back in those days where, you know, religion kind of really i mean i'm not going to make it a whole religious thing about on the podcast but 
Um, you know, times have changed. You don't really have, you don't really see that nowadays, but, uh, it's quite interesting. But now, and that was also kind of like back when, uh, the segregation in sports was like basically, you know, prominent, uh, before guys like in hockey, Willie O'Ree, uh, and baseball, Jackie Robinson, just, uh, you know, name a few. Um, but yeah, uh, that's really awesome that they have that. And also interesting tidbit on that is that, uh, back in the day, I mean, I know inflation is, you know, you look at what, you know, a dollar gets you now versus back in the day, but the players, cause we always talk about, oh yeah, Connor McDavid get $12 million a year, uh, as a player, 12, five a year. These players have paid 50 cents a month, 50 cents a month. That's insane to, to think about. That's insane. Um, but again, a little bit more up, up, uh, upbringing. I mean, it's not to say that that was sad news, but, um, something that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, I mean, that was also interesting too, but you know, I'll just dive right in. Uh, a father is accusing, uh, Gritty of the Philadelphia Flyers of running out of his child and punching him from behind. So, uh, Chris Greenwell, who is apparently a, uh, a Philadelphia Flyers season ticket holder. So before I even get into that, keep in mind, if you're a season ticket holder, you should probably know, especially with a guy uh, with a mascot like Gritty, what he does on a regular basis. He's basically a meme, a living, breathing meme. Meme. He's a living, breathing meme. Just to put that in the context, okay? He says that Gritty got out of his chair, took, quote unquote, took a running start and punched punched his son as hard as he could following a photo op, which also apparently he was kind of pissed off because uh, Gritty wasn't looking at the camera or anything like that. But once again, I say that context, Gritty being Gritty, you know, yeah, you're going to, you as some regular person's going to, you know, pose for a, a photo like, you know, oh, cheese, da 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 but Gritty's not going to do that. He's going to do what Gritty does, man. But, um, but yeah, but apparently the Flyers are, uh, have investigated the matter and found nothing to support, uh, his claim. And apparently, uh, his, uh, he had to take his son to a chiropractor to get his, uh, his, uh, back looked at. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, really laying the, laying the body there. Um, and also in the last episode mentioned, um, uh, Brandon Manning getting uh, suspended for um, using a racial slur. They didn't say who it was, but it turned out that it was against Ontario Rainford uh, Boko Imama. Um, and he uh, released a statement saying that he took uh, took some time to reflect on what happened on the ice. Uh, and it, it was uh, unfortunate for everyone, uh, no matter how intense or heated the game gets. There's no room for that in the game, no excuse. Uh, he's proud to be an African Canadian uh, hockey player, and uh, he s- stands for all the others that are in the same situation, uh, especially after um, what happened with Bill Peters and coming to find out that he was, you know, u- slinging racial slurs at his players and um, just a mistreatment of uh, players, like mentally, uh, not even necessarily physically, although there's that going around too, but mentally also, which also me- mental health is a big thing nowadays. 
and uh, rightfully so because uh, it's something that you know now we know um, the uh, repercussions of uh, stuff like that and uh, we have the tools to fix it and let's go fix it um, but yeah and then uh, movement around here uh, this past Tuesday the Penguins have reassigned forwards uh, Andrew Agazino, Joseph Blandisi, and Sam Lafferty, as well as defenseman uh, Kevin uh, Kuzman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kuzman. I'm just going to call him that. Uh, to Wilkes-Barre um, as number one. Uh, they need to get the games in. Uh, Wilkes-Barre uh, plays two games uh, during the All-Star break uh, w before Pitt. Pittsburgh plays again on January 31st, so it gives them some uh, playing time instead of some downtime, which is what these guys need is playing time. Um, and they'll be playing on the 31st against uh, Philadelphia. Not to say these guys all get called up for that game, but uh, they're getting sent down just so then they can uh, stay uh, warm and ready to go. And also on thir this past Thursday, uh, Maple Leafs have assigned defenseman Jake Muzzin to the, the Marlies on a conditioning assignment. Uh, as he as he's been out for a good chunk of the season uh, with an injury, and uh, good oh, and hope uh, hope to see him back, and because the Maple Leafs uh, decor has been suffering as of late, to say the least. Especially since him and Riley have been out, you know they uh, they literally have like no one. <laughs> they literally have like no one. <laughs> but yeah, but anyway, and then this is where we're gonna start to you know switcheroo about you know. Getting uh, both our takes here. Uh, the Professional Hockey Writers Association has released their uh, mid-season uh, award results. Um, so they only have their top three for each. Uh, they have the Hart Trophy. Um, and for those that don't know, they have the explanations for what these are. And, you know, for those that are new to the game or don't really uh, know what the um awards mean uh the heart trophy is to the player uh deemed to be the most viable to his team um number one being Connor mcdavid of the edmonton oilers number two nathan mckinnon of the colorado avalanche and number three david pasternak at the boston bruins uh norris trophy uh bet is the the best uh defenseman uh number one uh john carlson of the washington capitals number two roman yossi of the Nashville Predators, and number three, uh, Doogie Hamilton of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, what do you call him, Dougie? You call him yes. Dougie? Yes, Dougie Hamilton. This guy calls Doogie Hamilton okay, Dougie Hamilton. Dougie. What the hell? Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton. It's Doogie. It's Doogie Hamilton. We'll talk about this later. It's Doogie Hamilton. All right, Sulky. Uh is the best uh defensive forward in the in the league. Number one, uh Sean Couturier of the Philadelphia Flyers, number two, Patrice Bergeron, surprise, surprise, uh Boston Bruins. And number three, Ryan O'Reilly of your twenty nineteen Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. Uh the Calder Trophy is the best rookie uh in the league. Number one, Kale McCarr, surprise, surprise, of the Colorado Avalanche. Number two, Quinn Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, number three, Victor Olofsson of the Buffalo Sabres. 
uh, Lady Bing trophy uh, is basically goes to the person that's, you know, the most uh, that's not in the box the most for the most part. Um, you know, sportsmanship and gentleman and gentlemanly conduct. Basically, yeah, stay out of the box. You basically get a trophy. Uh, number one, Nathan McKinnon, Colorado Avalanche. Number two, Austin Matthews at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Number three, Ryan O'Reilly of your 2019 Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. Uh, the Vesnas for the best goalie. Uh, number one, Connor Hellebuck. I don't know how the hell he's number one, whatever, uh, of uh, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, number two, Ben Bishop at the Dallas Stars. And number three, Darcy Kemper of the Arizona Coyotes, even though he should be number one, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, Jack Adams award goes to the best coach. Uh, number one, Mike Sullivan, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, number two, John Tortorella, the Columbus Blue Jackets, with, uh, which obvi- I'm kind of surprised he's not number one because of how, uh, well, we'll dive into to these in a minute. Uh, number three, uh, Craig Bruby of your 2019 Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. And, uh, the Jim Montgomery, uh, GM of the Year Award. Uh, last year, the GM of the Year Award didn't have a name other than just GM of the Year Award. But uh, after the passing of Jim Gregory, they uh, dedicated the Jim, GM of the Year Award to Jim Gregory. So his name is now will be attached to this award. Uh, it's for the best general manager in the league. Uh, number one, going to Joe Sackick, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Number two, John Chaka of the Arizona Coyotes. And number three, Doug Armstrong of your 2019 Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. Um, Rod, the Rod Langway Award. Um, I want to say this is new because I don't never heard of this trophy either. That or the very least, they might have renamed another trophy. Um, to the defenseman who uh, best excels, it's basically the best defensive defenseman. Uh, because basically, if you're a really good offensive defenseman. Uh, defenseman, you get the Norris, but uh, I guess this is for you know for those that you know don't make the Norris, you get you know you still get a trophy out of it for being you know a defenseman because that your your purpose is literally in the title of your of your name of your you know possession defense, um and it's spelled with an S not with a C Canada, um. I, I, I'm just picking. I'm just, I'm just playing. Okay, I love you, Canada. I love you. Um, number one, uh, Jacob Slavin of the Carolina Hurricanes. Number two, Victor Hedman of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and number three, the Swedish Man Rocket himself, Roman Yossi of the Nashville Predators. And he's Swedish. He is Swedish. He's Swiss. Swiss. My bad. I apologize. I apologize. I don't know why I I said he was Swedish when I know he I know he was Swiss. I don't know. No, he's he's a, he's a, a Swiss man rocket. My bad. Uh, Roman Yossi, number three. Uh, comeback player of the year uh, to the player who returned to basically yeah comeback player of the year. It's in the name. Um, number one, William Nylander, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Number two, Anthony Duclair, the Ottawa Senators. And number three, Max Pacioretty of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, so diving in to um, these awards, who would you say um, who stands out in uh, their uh, 
their run to which of these trophies the best? Um, well, I really like the college trophy race because um, the two front front runners for it are obviously Camel Car and Quinn Hughes, and then uh, Victor Olofsson. But uh, which no one really expected, to be honest, because uh, everyone everyone was thinking in the beginning of the year, oh, it's gonna be you know Capo Caco, Jack Hughes at the front run, front front lines of this. But no, it's Kale McCarr, who we all knew was going to be something special. Quinn Hughes, which, I mean, we knew he was going to be good, but we didn't know he was going to be a frontrunner for the Calder. And then Victor Olofsson kind of out of nowhere. Um, but other than that, I really, uh, for the um, trophy, for uh, best, um, like most improved, basically from an off year, um, what kind of surprised me on that one is how they have Anthony Duclair when he was never really at that high of a level previously because he had like his, his best season was like twenty goals, but that was that was a while ago and he's he's kind of been in the slump ever since. But he is he is having a great year, but um, yeah, uh, not really any uh, other than that. Not too many surprises on this list. Uh, everything seems about right, but uh, yeah. Everyone seems to be getting the love they deserve. Now, I'll go is to say that, you know, for the most part, I mean, yeah, I mentioned that Darcy Kemper should be number one in the Vesna race, but also injuries are kind of hindering that. Uh, he's not really being able to uh, continue his uh, climb to the number one spot for the Vesna. However, for the Jack Adams trophy, what I find interesting is even though, yes, I understand Mike Sullivan, uh, being number one, I I can completely understand uh, what the um, uh, professional you know hockey writers association uh, has said about Mike Sullivan because they had Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, and so many other players on the Pittsburgh Penguins be injured this this season, and they still are like top five in the league. Right now in points, which is absolutely insane. And majority of that happened when Crosby was gone. But that was also because uh, Evgeny Malkin's play when Sidney Crosby's out of the lineup is freaking insane. Uh, along with Tristan Jari being Tristan Jari. Um, being absolutely stellar in that. Uh, and the same could be said about John Tortorella and what he's been doing, although it's not necessarily about the injuries, but mainly about the uh, lack of, you know, big name guys on the Columbus Blue Jackets because we had Ryan DeSingle leave. You had Artemi Panarin leave. You had Sergei Bobrovsky leave. You had, um, and you even had um, Panarin? Duchesne. Duchesne. Uh, Matt Duchesne left too. So all those guys gone, and everyone had them, you know, basically and just rid off, wrote them off. Um, but here they are. And last time I checked, uh, before my internet went out, go, you know, fuck yourself, Comcast. Because, uh, yeah, Comcast, go go fuck yourself. Um, but yeah, uh, last time I uh, I checked, they um. We're in a playoff, uh, in a playoff spot. I think they were like second wild card in the East last time I checked, but you know, changes, but not nearly as much as the Pacific Division standings, which is absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, other than those, I don't really see anyone um, in the comeback player of the year or anyone else 
not where they should be uh, for the most part. But uh, but yeah, uh, that's that. Um, and speaking of players, all and then we'll get into the All Star Game uh, stuff. Uh, first off, before we get into the skills competition, we got to get into who. Because uh, I thought last episode when I went over the entire uh, rosters, uh, that was gonna be set in stone. But I guess I jinxed it because uh, Artemi Panarin uh, was injured, so Chris Kreider will be replacing Artemi Panarin. Uh, Austin Matthews will be attending All Star Weekend, but he's not gonna be participating in any all nice events as he is day to day with an acute uh, something with his wrist. Um, so Brady Kachuk will be, oh, St. Louisan Brady Kachuk will be, uh, replacing the injured Austin Matthews, uh, in the all-star game as well as in the, uh, events, uh, in today's skill competition. Um, yeah, without further ado, let's dive into the skills competition. Alrighty, so diving right into the skills competition. First off, um, it should be noted that number one, uh, with this year's uh, All-Star Game, this will be the third time that the St. Louis Blues have hosted the All-Star Game in its history, uh, but the first being in uh, in Enterprise Center's uh, history. Uh, the previous two All-Star Games uh, and all their festivities uh, were held in 1970 and 1988, both at the old Checker Dome slash St. Louis Arena um, that the uh, Blues originally uh, played in before Enterprise Center was built in 1992, uh, but they uh, didn't start playing there until 94. Uh, another, and also another thing, uh, I know I'm a proud, uh, not just a proud St. Louisan, but a proud Missourian altogether. And uh, shout out to Ryan O'Reilly for repping uh, the Kansas City Chiefs as uh, Kansas City Chiefs on the on the ice in, during warmups today uh, as he was skating around wearing a, a Kansas City Chiefs helmet um, during warmups. So that's pretty cool. And uh, hopefully they win Super Bowl on the on the second. No. That'd be that'd be absolutely awesome. No. That'd be absolutely awesome. Ooh. But maybe that'd be for another podcast there uh, for the uh, disdain that. Uh, he has for for the Chiefs right now, um, but yeah, skills competition. Um, the winner of each of these uh, individual events, there are six total events, five of which are uh, individual events. Um, each winner will receive thirty thousand dollars. Not a big deal. Just uh, yeah, just pocket change. Um. So the events today, um, so events that are carrying over from previous ones, uh, the fastest skater, uh, save streak, accuracy shooting, and the hardest shot are uh, making a return. But this year, uh, we have two new ones, one of which is not a individual, um, but we'll do that one last. It's best for last. Um but yeah, they have this new thing called the NHL Shooting Stars, but we'll get into exactly what that is uh, toward the end when we uh, talk about it in depth about uh, lineups and all that. Uh, and also, um, last year, uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield uh, was the f- Schofield, you know, Kendall Coyne 
um, did something that no other woman's ever done, and that's uh, participate in uh, the All Star NHL All Star Game. Um, and they expand that to more than just one woman. They expand it to uh, at least, if I count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, twenty. From one to twenty, so I gotta say that's a good turnout. All of which are former Olympians, and all of which also keep in mind are not part of the NWHL. Uh, as they, yeah, they're kind of like waiting until there's a uh, a league that's deemed su- sustainable and has a uh, you know a plan to try to be sustainable. Which the NWHL, you know, is trying, but uh, that's not what this is about, so I'm not going to really dive into that uh, too much. Uh, first off, um, Fastest Skater, um, which uh, we're going to give this over to uh, old Nolan to explain. Fastest Skater, who's in it, and who wins this lovely event. All right, everybody, presenting the Bridgestone NHL Fastest Skater event. If you have not heard of this event or have never uh, seen it. Bridgestone's not a sponsor of the Easy Hockey Reviews Bleed Hockey Podcast, so we're not <laughs> going over the <laughs> the sponsors other than maybe like Bud Light or like, you know, sponsors that I really hope that we get. Wink, well, wink. I mean, I mean, if Bridgestone wants to sponsor us, I mean, wink, we'll, we'll, we'll do wink. it. I'll do it. Um, so basically to sum this up uh, – Eight players uh, competing, compete, and then each skater will be timed for one full lap around the rink, and the skater may choose the direction of the lap and can be positioned a maximum of three feet behind the start line located on the penalty box side of the center red line. The skater must start on the referee's whistle, and the timing clock will start when the skater crosses the start line. In the event of any clock malfunction, the official time will be recorded by the referee stopwatch, and uh, the skater with the fast time is the winner. And uh, if there's a tie, then the tie players will obviously skate for another lap. And so the participants of this were Jack Eichel of the Buffalo Sabres, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers, Matthew Barzal of the New York Islanders, Chris Kreider, the goalie runner of uh, New York, the New York Rangers, Anthony Duclair of the Ottawa Senators, Travis Konechny of the Philadelphia Flyers, and Quinn Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Mike Nell's not long lost twin brother and the only rookie in the a the oh that's a good fact uh the only rookie in the All Star Game festivities and the winner of this event was Matt Barzal surprisingly because we all thought it would be Connor McDavid like it has been for the past couple of years so yeah I unfortunately didn't get to watch that event but uh yeah. I made it here late. Had had to stop by some wing, get some uh, wing stop with the boys. Yeah, so that's what I was doing. <laughs> I'll have you know that uh, I was not uh, par- taking in any of that wings as I was taking notes and uh, getting all these uh, lovely notes here for for the uh, the pod. Working hard as I do every day. But uh, but yeah, um. But for coming from someone who actually did watch the event, um, <laughs> yeah, Matt Barzal, man, he he uh, came out running because uh, Chris Kreider initially came out of the gate with the fastest time. No one came anywhere uh, really close for the most part. Maybe uh, the closest being maybe like a second behind him. But other than that, um, 
And then Matt Barzell kind of uh, beat him out, I believe, by maybe a couple uh, milliseconds. Wasn't by a full second, though, because they uh, both were in the 13s. But um, because I want to say uh, Kreider was by 13.5 or a little bit higher, uh, closer to around crisp 13, um, with Matt Barzal getting a 13.175. And then uh, McDavid getting in the, the high 13s, almost 14. Um, but also Matt Barzal also made a good point during his, uh, post, um, event interview that, uh, McDavid had a little bit more rest. So, so his legs weren't as warm as, uh, Barzal. So, uh, maybe that could be the reason, but, um, regardless, um, congrats to, uh, Barzal for, uh, getting that, uh, fastest, uh, skater. So now we get into, uh, a sponsor that I, uh, you know, even if, they don't sponsor us. Number one, it's a St. Louis company, so I got to love them. And two, uh, I drink a lot of it. Uh, Bud Light, uh, the NHL safe street. Um, so a so all the goalies that made the uh, All-Star game for the most part, yeah, I want to say, yeah, all of them uh, are participating in the safe streak. So basically... Um, just to summarize it, because I'm not going to read the whole big-ass paragraph that's here. Um, so, for example, Jordan Bennington is a Central Division uh, goalie. He will face all the shooters from the Pacific Division that got voted in and vice versa. So if uh, you're whatever division that goalie came from, the opposing uh, division in their conference, will all their shooters will shoot one shot. And um, the captain will round out uh, the shooters for each division. And just whoever has the, the highest uh, streak wins. So uh, who participated? Well, uh, glad you asked, even though I know you didn't. Uh, David Riddick of the Calgary Flames. Tristan Jari of the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. Uh, Andre Veroselevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Frederick Anderson of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, who also, mind you, is the first Leaf goalie to make the All-Star game since Curtis Joseph in 2000. And you know what? And you know who also uh, Cujo played for uh, before he went to Toronto? Uh, one St. Louis Blues, I'll tell you, uh, as also am coincidentally wearing the, the last jersey that he wore as a, uh, a blue, uh, the nice trumpet jersey. Uh, at least I want to say it's the last one that he wore. Um with that awesome uh, wolf mask. Uh, Jacob Markstrom of the Vancouver Canucks. Braden Holtby of the Washington Capitals. Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets. And Jordan Bennington of your 2019 <laughs> Stanley Cup champions. St. Louis okay, Blues. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> he was third on the list, and he skipped him just to save him for last. That, that shows the bias right there. <laughs> the title of the channel on YouTube is semi-biased. Reviews, which the tag is branded. Easy Hockey Reviews is the branding of this podcast. So it kind of carries over here. Semi-biased. But I ride that fine line. But sometimes I like to tip over that line uh, into the biased territory, which uh, my I, I'm, I'm the faithful for the Blues for sure. Um, which also, surprise, surprise, 
Jordan Bennington wins this uh, event coincidentally with uh, a 10-goal streak that he got. Um, but why is that coincidence? Well, I'll tell you, uh, for anyone that's, you know, been living under a rock, uh, jo- he, Jordan Bennington, came out and challenged uh, Justin Bieber to a shootout. Uh, and if he and if Justin Bieber can get one past Jordan Bennington, he'll donate. I want to say it's ten grand to a chair. Oh, initially, the bet was that he'll dye his hair blonde. Jordan Bennington will dye his hair blonde, although he looked like he would belong in in sync at that point for sure. Uh, if he doesn't already look like that, um, no hate on in sync though. Um, <clears throat> but uh, then. Justin Bieber's like, hey, uh, how about we do it? If I get one past you, um, I'll you just donate ten thousand to a charity of my choice, and then you know it's been done, uh, se- you know, sealed and delivered. So uh, this summer, sometime, I'd imagine it's going to be in the middle of July, sometime, uh, when J- Justin Bieber will be in St. Louis performing at the Enterprise Center, which is where these festivities are taking place, also. Uh, I would imagine that the um, that uh, shootout happens there because you know you have to have the ice there, and it's probably going to be at the Centene Community Ice Center out in Maryland Heights. I would imagine, and hopefully they'll allow people, pu- the public, to be there because I'd love to be there because I'll be moved back by then. So I'd hope to to watch that in person. That'd be kind of cool, but um. But yeah, also it's coincidence because uh, he was going to give him 10 shots and he saved 10 shots. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, now we have the NHL accuracy shooting. So um, they can't. And just before we even dive into it, they have to be super technical with this. They couldn't just be like the old days where you just have the little uh, that just the target, like the disposable targets, or even like the past couple years, they had the ones that light up, and you just have to shoot the ones that light up. They can't do that. No, they have to have an LED board that's covered, uh, that's protected by a plexiglass uh, layer, uh, which then uh, will just have five uh, little um, little boxes with like the player's nickname and. The logo of the uh, All Star Game, um, how many All Star games they achieved, um, and stuff like that. Um, <coughs> and I think like after two uh, players in, I think after Tyler Perduzzi went in, uh, they had to replace the the glass because he chipped a, a corner off, and they didn't want to risk anyone uh, breaking the LED board underneath it. Like, just make it simple. Like, we gotta. Got to make make everything so electronic. Like everything has to be electronic nowadays. Like, I mean, I love electronics as much as the next guy, but God. But anyway, um, so so they uh, it's timed. Uh, whoever's the fastest, uh, whoever gets all the five targets down in the fastest time from twenty five feet from the goal line, um, is the winner. So uh, Jacob Slavin. Tyler Bertuzzi, Leon Dreisaitl, Jonathan Huberdeau, Nico Heischer, Tomas Hurdle, Alex Petrangelo, and Mark Scheifele all uh, participated. And before Alex Petrangelo uh, took to the ice as he was the last one to shoot, uh, 
they put Bernie Federko out on the ice uh, for some recognition. Uh, very well deserved. Uh, even though uh, I love Brett Hull and all that, I gotta say at least um, he's best goal scorer the Blues ever had. But when it comes to all time points, Bernie Federko is the leader in that. Uh, so um, yeah, gotta give Bernie Federko the love that he definitely deserves because I feel like he's uh, very underrated for sure because no one really talks about him, which is sad. Um, but he came out, passed the puck to Petrangelo, and then uh, got off the ice. Uh, a lot of Blues legends in this game, too, uh, which is absolutely awesome to see. But in the winner of this uh, event, uh, Jacob Slavin from the Car Carolina Hurricanes uh, got it. I believe it was like nine seconds, like 9.3 or something like that, which is freaking insane. Um, but, yeah. And now we get into, and we're doing it in the order in which it uh, occur, uh, these events occurred. So, uh, yeah. Otherwise, I'd save this next one for, la for last because it was the best one for sure. So, it's the women's three-on-three. -three. Uh, so, they had two 10-minute periods. Uh, they switched sides after each period. Uh, and it didn't go to overtime. But if there was going to be overtime, it'd just be a three-minute sudden death overtime like regular NHL rules for the most part. Uh, any foul that may have happened, which there wasn't any in this game, uh, they were just going to give him a penalty shot for every uh, for every um, uh, penalty in the game. Uh, for the American All-Stars, uh, Casey uh, Balemi, Alex Carpenter, uh, Kendall Coyne, Schofield, uh, Brianna Decker, Amanda Kessel, Hillary Knight, Jocelyn Lamaru Davidson, uh, Annie Pankowski, Alex Rigsby Cavallini, and Lee Steckline represented the American All Stars. And for Canadian All Stars, and I apologize for all the people from Ca uh, from Quebec that I may uh, butcher their names, uh, even though I, I landed Lamaru because, you know, that's easy. Uh, the pronounce um, Megan Augusta, uh, Melody Daou, uh, and Renee Debian, uh, Renata Faust, Laura Fortino, Rebecca Johnston, Sarah Nurse, who's actually uh, sisters with Darnell Nurse of the Edmonton Oilers, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Marie Philippe Poulin, uh, Natalie Spooner, and Blair Turnbull. Uh, representing the Canadian All-Stars. So in the first half, uh, because the NHL app and uh, the uh, NBC Sports guys didn't really give anyone you know, anything about uh, stats and when they scored it, how many shots on net, and stuff like that for the most part. Uh, all I got was um, Rebecca Johnston got Canada on the board early on, uh, and even though that the Americans were out shooting, the Canadians, they were uh, Canada was making the best of the shots that they had in the offensive zones uh, compared to the Americans. Also because um, Anne Renee De uh, Debian was standing on her head absolutely uh, throughout this entire game, um, which then sends uh, sends Canada into the second half with a one nothing lead. Um, <coughs> where is her name? Melody Daou. Uh, gives the Canadian, can, uh, not Canadians, can, can, uh, Canadians the 2 nothing lead. 
Uh, but then uh, Hillary Knight cuts it in half, uh, which then Canada ends up winning this game 2-1 in regulation, uh, which then sends uh, into the shooting stars because uh, one of e- uh, each team uh, of the Canadian and USA women's teams, uh, they had one player uh, get sent to that, <coughs> which we'll get to in a second. Um, you want to take a hard shot? I did too. I did well, too. I, I, I did yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, well, this is okay. Now we will talk about the uh, hardest shot competition. And um, before we, before we get into that, just want to say, um, Al McInnes also made uh, his uh, oh yeah presence on the ice. Um, if which everyone did, uh, but if the he made a guideline that if you were to beat his record that he set with a wooden stick, mind you, of 100.4, which they even made him do a shot. And he's like, oh, yeah, they got 100.4. He didn't get 100.4. I can tell you that he didn't get 100.4. He maybe got maybe 80s, mid-80s at best. But And he even brought out the old wooden stick, too. Um, but it's good to see him out there. And um, I believe if they were to beat the um, – that 100.4 uh five thousand dollars goes to the charity of their uh their favorite charities which basically all those guys got free money for their charity so it's good to see and now explain the event so um well a minimum of four players will compete but it didn't so um each player uh will attempt two shots uh, measured in miles per hour and with the highest uh the highest shot will basically count for their um their attempt and they were, uh, there were six players that competed, and the participants in this were Mark Giordano of the Calgary Flames, Seth Jones of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Shea Weber of the Montreal Canadiens, Victor Hedman Tampa, of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Elias Pedersen of the Vancouver Canucks, and John Carlson of the Washington Capitals. And the winner was, drumroll please, surprise, surprise, Shea motherfucking Weber. And did we really... Expect someone else to win? No. Yeah. However, had a Colton Pareko uh, uh, been healthy and been into the All-Star game, he would have beaten them. He would have done it. That's that uh, St. Louis bias coming in. But, uh, yeah. So, Shea Weber won that competition, and I will hand it back over. So, the Shooting Stars competition can be presented. All right, so the shooting stars competition was quite interesting, say the least. Um, just to also condense it because it's a big ass freaking paragraph, so I'm gonna condense it for you. Um, had all the participants. Each participant gets seven shots. Uh, you're elevated uh, behind the goal, but approximately thirty feet above the ice. Uh, so basically, for anyone that's been to Enterprise Center, it's basically where uh, Jeremy Boyer uh, plays those sweet tunes on his organ. Um, and um, their goal is to there's very like it's for anyone that knows what Top Golf is, where you're at that elevated position, and then your goal is to try to get like to the best uh, get your ball into the net that gets you the most points. Same thing, but instead of 
uh, golf balls. It's um, a rubber puck, a rubber uh, street hockey puck. Um, and if they don't hit the target, they earn no points. Uh, if they bounce off of a target, they get the highest scoring value they hit. Um, you know, you know the rules. Uh, basically, you know, you get, you know, you get it in, you get the points. Um, just uh, narrow it down. Um, and all the scoring denominations were decided by on ice officials, um, which the way that they uh, set the number, uh, the ten point net. Was kind of like awful because uh, pa- Pasternak, uh, which oh, so before we even get into that, we'll we'll go over who's in it. All right. So first off, uh, from the Canadian uh, All Star uh, Women's All Star Team, uh, Marie Philippe Poulain. Uh, from the Americans, uh, Hillary Knight, uh, David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins, Matthew Kachuk, St. Louis, uh, the Calgary Flames, uh, Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, who got booed so much in this in these events <laughs> I I it was awesome uh Tyler Sagan of the Dallas Stars Brady Kachuk St. Louis of the Ottawa Senators uh Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh David Perron of your 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues and Ryan O'Reilly of your 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues and uh first off um the way that they had the net was in the middle of the ice they had this big old arch uh, tallest national monument in America, for those that don't know that, 630 feet, not a big deal. Um, but they had it to where you had to go through, like, the legs of the arch to get to the net. But uh, O'Reilly, Pasternak, and I want to say Kane did it too, and maybe one other guy, I think Marner maybe might have done it too, uh, where they hit, they got the backboard Oh, they did hit the backboard of the arch, but it went like above it and around the net where they hooked the net up. So it didn't quote unquote count because if it did count, then the outcome of this game of this uh, event would have definitely changed because either O'Reilly would have won it uh, or pasta would have won it for sure. But, um, Neither of them did, uh, but before we get to the winner, um, on the last shot of Ryan O'Reilly, even though Ryan O'Reilly did get his his shot, uh, Brett Hull came out uh, and took a shot. Uh, he nearly got a four, but it was a long shot. I mean, I know he was trying to go for the 10, but, oh, God. <laughs> like, he, like, he was supposed to go straight, but he went, he veered it. He veered right, way right, like right field, baseline, first baseline right there. <laughs> but, hey, you know, <clears throat> but, hey, they, they got him out there. Um, I was actually hoping that he was going to be, like, ga- as uh, gassed on beers as he was during the, uh, the playoffs because that was a good time. That was a really, really good time. And I hope we, uh, as uh, a fan base, get back there. But yeah, the winner is uh, our arch rival, Patrick Kane. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that. And also disclaimer that uh, prior to the event, uh, the Dep- NHL Department of Player Safety determined the players pers- participating in each event and the order of participation. And the numbers of players in each event is subject to change. Uh, but mainly that's not even the NHL players. It's probably just the uh, the women's all-star 
players, and the referees made all necessary rulings regarding to the skills events. Um, but yeah, that rounds out that uh, portion of the pod cast. All right, so now uh, now we get into uh, just some uh, miscellaneous uh, hockey shit here. So without further ado, let's uh, turn it on over to the uh, interim co-host over here. All right, so I want to have a little discussion here about the wonderful, so beloved goaltending tandem in my beloved city of San Jose. Oh, no. All right, guys. Buckle up, folks. Buckle up, buckaroos. If you're in your vehicle right now, hold on to that steering wheel tight because it's going to get real rough here. Well, first of all, I would love, I need to give some props to Aaron Dell on the run he's been having and hopefully will continue to have since about um, uh, December-ish. Um, which he has been an exceptionally excellent goaltender and has overtaken the number one spot of uh, Martin Jones since Jones just cannot put a single good game together to save his life. He's gotten chance after chance after chance to put something together and he just blows it. Every time, like uh, I think the last game he started was in Vancouver, and it uh, like the first two periods or period and a half, he was like, okay, it's like zero zero, but then he just kind of started doing Jones things, and that final turned to be a four one Canucks victory, and um, you know I never want to blame the goaltender for anything, but there, at, at some point you just gotta look at look in the mirror, and uh, really think about what is the issue and. I definitely think while it's not entirely his fault, Martin Jones is part of the issue in this um, dreaded San Jose uh, decline. Um, but, yeah, Aaron, I'm really uh, surprised how Aaron, uh, Aaron Dell has come into uh, this uh, role, and hopefully he continues. And that that will uh, – I don't know when the next expansion draft is. Well, is it like next – Next summer. Next summer. That might – so that'll be interesting to see if if Martin Jones is even still a shark at that point. Um, that'll be interesting to see if they uh, if like who's protected. Probably if it'd be Aaron Dell, I assume if this is how it plays out. But um, uh, yeah, Martin Jones just need to find needs to find his game. Uh, what happened? Holy shit! <laughs> oh, what oh happened? My God. Yeah. Oh no! 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 Okay. Okay, so I, I, I can completely understand where he's at. All right, so so first off, as a Blues fan, with the whole goalie situation before our Lord and Savior Jordan Bennington came into our lives, okay? Jake Allen, we were, he was like our whipping boy, right? Even though, yeah, I mean, he's kind of had some really shaky starts, not consistent and all that. Uh, I see a lot of that in Martin Jones. So here, here okay, so... Well, let's take a comparison, okay? Because initially I was I was going to have an argument to say maybe you could see Jake Allen in the offseason or sometime next season move to San Jose 
because they could use the depth. But here's the thing. That I was going to say that until I saw Via Cat Friendly, a really good resource for anyone that's looking uh, looking up into the intricacies of um, player contracts and how they're structured and all that. Um, Martin Jones's contract, he's got a modified no-trade clause. Uh, he's age 30. Uh, he signed through 2023-2024, his UFA as of 2024-2025, uh, which is an interesting fact that he mentioned about uh, the expansion draft because he could go because San Jose do, does have to protect a goalie and they don't necessarily have to protect Mar – oh, actually, no, yes, they technically do have to. But he has to wait – in order to not protect them, he has to waive that no-trade clause. So he's getting paid from this season all the way to the end of the 2023-2024 season $5.75 million, which is insane, which I, and along with other St. Louis Blues fans, were bitching about freaking uh, Jake Allen's uh, freaking... Uh, Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Uh, where uh, Jake Allen's uh, contract is. But looking at his numbers versus Jones's and the length, it's a way better bargain. Number one, Jake Allen is 29. Yeah, he's one age, He's one year younger. Uh, he only has two years left in his contract. He's done at the end of the next season with the contract. Uh, and he's UFA as of the 2021-2022 season, which is when Seattle comes in. Uh, 4.35 mil, and especially the way that Jake Allen's been playing, because Jake, as I've been saying, I mean, I'm gonna get, we'll get back on his and his rail here. I'm going off tracks here a little bit, but just a comparison, because they, uh, if it wasn't for the contract situation of Martin Jones and the San Jose Sharks, I would say. If I was San Jose Sharks and Doug Wilson, I'd say take a chance on Jake Allen. Especially if Aaron Dell can play at that high caliber that he, he has been playing lately. and Because Jake Allen thrives with competition in between the pipes. Because whenever him and, Jake and uh, Brian Elliott was playing in 2016, he was great. But the second he got that starting job all by himself and he didn't have anyone to freaking uh, compete against against the in the pipes, he just fell off a cliff. Which I guarantee that's probably what happened to Martin Jones too because when uh, 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 Antti Niemi was in that too? Well, he, Wouldn't you guys? He or was he or was he not there? They weren't there at the same time. Martin Jones was always the clear starter until... But you still kind of had that competition though. So yeah, with uh, this, it's kind of a different situation because Martin Jones was always the clear starter. Because before, um, before these past two seasons, he's been a fine goaltender. He's been great for us. But um, uh, starting last season, he just really kind of took a dive. But uh, he's never really had big competition until Dell started playing like he's playing. Because uh, I believe the backup has always been Dell, and then I think Reimer at some point uh, before their uh, Stanley Cup final run in uh, 2016. Uh, it was Reimer, and then he then he left. So um, yeah, it was always uh, clearly Jones, but I don't know what happened to him because he was he's such a good playoff goaltender. He had pretty 
decent regular seasons, and then uh, last the start of last season was his uh, he took a turn for the worse, and it has not. I haven't seen any signs that it's gotten better because he hasn't. He just can't get it above nine hundred, <laughs> and it's a meme with the hockey guy, too. Yeah, it's it's just his stats are just horrible for that contract. To Jake Allen. Yeah, Dells shouldn't be that good, but they they're raising they're going up because yeah, not oh nine oh nine. Yeah, it's it's it was like an it wasn't above nine. And it was uh so yeah Aaron if you didn't hear uh Aaron Dell's stats now are with twenty two games played he has a two ninety goals against average, and a nine oh nine save percentage and yeah with ten less than Jones and prior to his run he I believe he was a, a sub nine hundred save percentage so which goes to show you that he's been playing great and uh, he's been giving the Sharks a fighting chance in every game he's played but they just haven't been able to execute in front of him but um. Uh, and also, another thing I like to point out with Martin Jones is whenever he starts in net, I notice... Oh, and also, um, whose stats are these? Are these... Yeah, Jake, well, Jake Allen's stats in 17 games with the Blues are actually amazing. With 17 games played, he has a goals against of 222 and a save percentage of 927, which is stellar for any goaltender. Um, but I'd like to see more games. Well, because uh, if he did come to San Jose in that situation, he'd probably split with Arundel. So I just like him. I'd like to see because in the past, as uh, Elijah pointed out, he's uh, thrives with competition. So it'd probably work out for him. But uh, yeah, and um, so another thing I'd like to point out with Martin Jones is that I've noticed whenever he starts in net, it seems like the team in front of him just doesn't isn't playing. Like they're playing like they don't care that much. I wonder who, who uh, what goalie uh, that sounds like because this pat this past year and his entire time as a quote unquote starter, Jake Allen had that same treatment where the other goalie, oh the blue the Blues played absolutely great, and then Jake Allen's in net's like oh shit he's in net all right just Throw it away. all right let's ju- let's do something all right just just hit the puck. Um, which yeah, that's another reason why I bring Jake Allen into this. Not just because I just love talking about the Blues all the time, but uh, it's it's a really good comparison because like the exact same thing is happening with them and their whole goalie tandem. Which where I had the San Jose Sharks this uh, off season to finish in this season is a right where they are is a massive underachievement among other teams in the league that uh, other analysts have said, like the New Jersey Devils and the Rangers, shots fired, um, about underachievement where they were expected to be and where they are. Because San Jose, as I look up the stats, um, not too good, not too good. But at the same time, if they just go on an absolute tear, they could get back in it. I mean, they only have 46 points. Um, so they're about uh, they're 11 away from a wild card spot. But at the same time, the Pacific Division uh, is all within one at this point. Um, 
And if you look at the standings, if you uh, the wild card standings on your NHL app and see, uh, as of the recording right now, um, the San Jose is the closest in the Pacific to even getting anywhere near a wild card spot because um, Winnipeg, Chicago, Minnesota, and Nashville are separating them from a wild card spot right now. But if you go into divisional uh, standings, they're sixth in the division. Um, so, and their goal differential is not great. Um, but at the same time, um, if we look at the team stats here, they're still number one in the entire league in penalty kill, which is a really good thing to have because you want to be really good on the, on the penalty kill. Uh, I don't know how well they've been doing lately. Um, but, um, which is also probably just the remnants of how Peter DeBoer uh, and his teams perform. Uh, with the penalty kill, they always do, seem to do well uh, from what I'm gathering. Um, they just need to find some more consistency. And I don't know if Bob Bugner is going to end up being their coach. Uh, I, I want to say he still ha he has an interim title. Yeah. Uh, so he has an uh, the interim title right now. Uh, and I honestly don't foresee him being the coach, uh, even though he, he, you know, he was all right, uh, in Florida in his like one year that he was there. Um, but especially since Gerard Gallant is uh, a free man, um, and in typical Pacific division fashion, they'll probably hire him too. So, uh, either that or Peter Laviolette, uh, that'd be quite interesting to see. I honestly would love to see Peter Laviolette if it wasn't for him going uh, not if he was to not go to Vegas because he didn't go to Vegas because uh, out of all the coaches that I was hoping uh, to go uh, fill Gerard Gallant's spot uh, once they wrongfully fired him um, at the very least because Jim Montgomery wasn't going to be an option because he's kind of recovering from uh, his thing that uh, got him fired. Um which, other than that, if he was just on the free market, he would have been number one. Number one I'd want as a coach. But if not, Peter Laviolette, for sure. Hands down. Other than Dragerlant. Peter Laviolette, because Peter Laviolette's got that winning pedigree. And he can turn a team around. And he even brought a team in the Carolina Hurricanes to their very first and only. Uh, Stanley Cup in 2006. He turned around the National Predators and uh, got them to their first Stanley Cup final in franchise history. And I believe he was with uh, the Devils also, I want to say. Uh, if not, I can't really remember what... Oh, no, he was with Philly too. And he took Philly to uh, the finals in 2010. When they lost to uh, Chicago to start their uh, their um, dynasty, so basically, I want to say damn near almost every team that Peter Laviolette has been on has either won a cup or just went to the finals. So if San Jose wants to get there, get Laviolette, get Laviolette, get the Laviolette, get the Peter that actually does shit and actually wins. Because I'm going to go and say, even though, yes, I understand Peter DeBoer took the Devils in 2012 to the Stanley Cup Final. Yes, cool. 
And yes, Peter Lavia and uh, Peter DeBoer also took the San Jose Sharks in 2016 to the Stanley Cup final. Also, funny how both those teams lost to a 1967 expansion team. But he has not won the cup. Yeah, he can get you there, but can he get you over the hump to get there? Well, as Laviolette has proved that at the very least one time, all they need to do is one time to prove that you can do it by doing it. And the fact that he's consistent with at least taking the teams that he coaches to the finals. If you're wanting to get there, Laviolette's your guy. And... At this time of the year, yeah, it's the wrong time to hire a guy like Peter Laviolette if you already haven't not, you know, hired him by now. you that, That's the kind of guy also probably, honestly, it's probably better off that you didn't hire him now and you wait until the offseason and then you have the entire offseason where he can implement the systems early so then there's no figuring it out on the spot and then just just get on with a nice hot start or a nice cold start and just get hotter and hotter and hotter. And then eventually by the time the uh, playoffs start and you're going through, you're like a raging fire at that point. Because honestly, you'd better off be in that situation, take the slow start, and you'd much rather take the slow start and finish off nice and hot. Be the hot team in. And then instead of being the hot start, like uh, the Rangers, like the Devils, and just freaking just burn out too fast. Got too hot too fast. You never get too hot too fast. Or even Tampa Bay, like where, like especially last year, they 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 went too hot too fast. And they didn't face the adversity, which is also why in my YouTube videos and as well as the previous episodes of the the pod where I was saying that with the Blues on how well they've been playing, that, you know, I'm fine even though when I watch, I really, I mean, you obviously don't want to watch your team lose, but you know it's for the best when that team of that caliber loses, especially in the fashions that they do. So then they face that adversity. So then when adversity comes knocking on their door come playoff time, they don't get swept by a fucking wildcard team when you're a president's trophy winning team. How? When you're up three to nothing. Three to nothing. In the first game. And you lose it. You had it all and you blew it. You had it all and you blew it. Oh, God. Well, yeah. But um, but yeah, that uh, I guess that pretty much rounds it out here, uh, as we uh, pass uh, you know over an hour. Um, don't forget to rate, subscribe. Um, we're on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, we're on Spotify, and we are officially now on Pandora. So uh, Pandora? for anyone that uh is uh if. You're trying to, you know, pass, you know, word along about the the channel and the podcast. Well, mainly the podcast on this front. Um, 
and they don't have like an iPhone to get Apple Podcasts or if they don't want to use any of the other services and they use like Pandora or whatever. Well, there you go. Uh, we're, we're on there. So check us out there. Uh, don't forget to check out the uh, Easy Hacker Views YouTube channel. Um, I haven't, I know I haven't posted a, a video in there in a while. I'm still technically on the hiatus from the videos because I'm still in transit uh, in the midst of a move um, where I'll officially be out of the, the place where I'm recording right now uh, at the end of next week. Um, so the final episodes, uh, the final New Mexican episodes of the, uh, the podcast will be, um, coming in the next five so episodes. And then, uh, the first St. Louis one being at the end of next week. So, uh, well, not this coming one, but the one after that, the, the first week of February will be the first, uh. The first Missouri episode of the pod, so uh, that'll be exciting, to, to say the least. But anyway, once again, rate, subscribe, and uh, don't forget to check out our channel sponsor, Anchor, as well. Uh, if you're into uh, trying to get into podcasting or if you uh, you know, want to support uh, the channel by listening on Anchor, too. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, uh, thank you very much, and catch you next one. Thank you very much.